the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider, brought to you by the Hyundai A-League. Be part of the action this season. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. I'm magazine editor Trevor Tran and with me this week is online editor Kevin Ayres. Hello mate. Hello. Um, no Jacko this week. He's in um, Melbourne rubbing shoulders of his you know, FFA elite box that he likes to go into. Hoi polloi. Exactly. Um, well, plenty going on, <laughs> Kev. You think should, so? yeah. I was wondering what we're talking about. How, we, how, we, how are we going to feel a pod? Well look. We're obviously going to get onto all of the um, the Gold Coast stuff. For headlines for the pod, the last couple of weeks we did sort of Gold Coast Madness and then Gold Coast Madness too. Yeah. And each week it gets a little bit madder, doesn't it? It's <laughs> escalating out of all control. Um, and we will talk about that in section two, but let's talk about football to begin with. Starting... I'll never catch up. <laughs> Starting with this is Australia, you know, we don't do that sort of thing. Yeah. Starting with last night's game, Socceroos, um, back playing in Melbourne. Saudi Arabia game, 4-2 victors. Um, let's have a look at the... Um, well, first of all, let's talk about the team selection. Um, the centre-back friendly, or centre-back heavy team selection and, and, you know, who he went for. What did, what did you think of it when you saw it? Um, I have to admit, I was pretty much horrified. And it was right. kind of, uh, it was a bit of a Pim Verbeek type hodgepodge yeah. selection, I thought. Uh, Spiranovic at left-back, I'd never seen anything that he'd done in the past that suggested he'd be good at left-back. No. And to be honest, having watched the match, still don't think he's done anything that makes me think he would be good at left-back. And you're not feeling a little bit sorry for him, don't you? Because you play for your nation anyway, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. You, that you'd yeah, ask, you but, you mean... will play wherever you're told to play, and you'll yeah. do your damn best. But he was just out of position. He's a centre-back. He's a great centre-back. Yeah. He's not a left back. I mean, the thing is, was Carney ruled out through injury? Was he not Car- quite Carney right? was there really just to show that he could. He was still going to feature in the Socceroos in the future. I think Holger had already said that when he made the squad selection. Yeah. Uh, and just to bolster his confidence a bit, I think he, he's had a rough year of it uh, that, I mean, with that, some bad decisions. But that, that would make sense if there was plenty of other fullbacks in the squad. Yeah, I mean, the, the bottom line is Josh Rose. I think everybody agrees. Yeah. Yeah. Should have been there. It was a perfect place for him to to get uh, an opportunity in the Socceroos squad. Uh, it was a meaningless match, pretty much. Uh, if he stuffed up, he stuffed up. Spiranovic putting Spiranovic in is such a band aid solution to a problem that we didn't really need to have. No, I mean not not for a game. You know, for us that's a dead rubber. Um, you know, we're picking Asian and home based players. Yeah. Um, I suppose from Joshua's point of view, you must be thinking if I'm not going to get called up for a game like that. What chance have I got when it's a, exactly. a competitive game and all the European guys can come back? Yeah, I mean, the argument's been made to me that he's too old. But, I mean, he, he's just turned 30. But we've got people like Bresciano turning up back in the team again. Ovanovsky. Archie Tomskin. Ovanovsky doesn't look like he's going anywhere. Neil no. doesn't look like he's going anywhere. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, Emerton Cure we're still persevering with. Yeah, I mean... Absolutely. It's... Yeah. it's it, it was a really wasted opportunity for us, I think, at left back uh, to try some new blood. Uh, and I don't think we achieved anything uh, in that sense. The other thing with the match as a whole, you know, re- history is going to record that it was a thumping big win, win for us. Yeah. I don't think anybody watching the first half and most of the second half would have agreed with that, to be it, honest. It was a thumping five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sort of won, won the game for us. Devastating blitz, short-lived. Yeah, I mean, 
in terms of the, the way the game sort of panned out, I mean, th- this was still an important game for Saudi Arabia. Yeah, um, and they played like it uh, yeah. uh, for the first hour. Yeah, yeah, but it was that li- that little burst of goals. They're just not they just, sideways, and, from, and, yeah, and they knew it wasn't going to happen. So, I mean, you know, they took the lead. Um, we battled back from Brosk, and, and then Saudi Arabia sort of grabbed a goal. Immediately took the lead back again. Back again to, to make it 2-1 at half-time. I mean, the, the main goal we want to talk about there is, is perhaps Saudi Arabia's second, where it was a bit of a statues impression from the oh, Australia defence. Yeah. There was plenty of guys, but I think there might have been about seven Australians back in the penalty box. Yeah. Um, and there just wasn't enough organisational movement or anything really. For to be them. honest, I mean, the defence, I felt Lucas Neal was carrying everybody there pretty much. Yeah. Uh, you know, Captain Joel, etc. is supposed to do that. But I really felt he was the only one who really, really looked assured. Oganowski was uh, up there, but Jade North just is out of his depth at that level. I think I'm not quite sure why he keeps getting called up. He's a good enough club defender, but mm. I don't think he's international class. Uh, Spiranovic, as we've already discussed, is out of place. Uh, Ogunovsky was solid enough, as I said, but you know he still lacks pace, and Lucas Neal is not the fastest man, but he was doing a bloody good impersonation <laughs> good last night. Good actually. understatement. Um, so, yeah, look, um, Kiel got us back on level terms, then, then Bross scored, and then... Emerson scored straight after, but let's talk about a few attacking players and what we thought. Um, Bresciano. Just unbelievable class to come back into the team and just remind us what we've been missing. Yes, yeah. I think, you know, his uh, disappearance after the last World Cup, we'd expected a a generational change to take place in the the team, and he was one of those that, you know, we, we thought was headed for the exit for good. And we didn't notice just how much of an impact we'd lost with him uh, moving on. Uh, last night, he was class. Mm. Almost every single touch of the ball, he knew what he was doing, where it was going, where the game was going, where the ball was going, where his teammates were going. It was an incredible performance for a guy who's uh, been out of the international game for so long. Say the next Australia game when we've got both Brett Emerton and Tim Cahill back, what role does Bresciano have then? It, this is the problem. I mean, uh, you know, Brett Holman's pretty much taken his slot uh, to a certain extent. Tim Cahill has been relegated to the, the depth on the, the substitute bench for the moment while his run of form continues. Um, you can only imagine he's, he's going to play off the bench, but on, based on last night's... Uh, performance he's still got a lot to offer yeah I mean look good problem to have isn't it really in, in terms of fighting it, for that very pivotal role I think it's a problem that Australia's had for a long time and we, we kind of ignored it by just dismissing the problem and dismissing certain people yeah and focusing more we've always seemed to have a surfeit of uh, good attacking midfield options uh, not necessarily strikers not necessarily you know back of the midfield uh, but we've had a, a surplus of those, and uh, in the past we've tried to accommodate them all, uh, especially under Gus Hiddink, by playing them all at the same time and only having one defender. Yeah, why not? Uh, let's have, let's but, have some fun. Yeah. Um, and the final player I suppose worth having a little chat about is, is Bross, because he certainly divides people, doesn't he? I mean, yeah. yeah uh, divides A-League fans. I, th- I think, you know, the point with Brosk is he has grown up a lot. Mm. He has matured. He's developed more than he was. He's more of a player now than he ever was at Sydney. Yeah. Uh, and more importantly, uh, he stays on his feet. Mm. Uh, when, he ran yeah. into, when he ran into the box to score his first goal last night, he would have gone to the ground when he was playing in Sky Blue. 
Yeah. He, he would have fallen over it. He would have looked for the penalty. Instead, he stayed on his feet and finished. And it was beautiful. You know, that, that's what you can do. And, you know, it's, it's lifting a game to that level where you actually try to play the game rather mm. than just go to ground and hope for a, a sympathetic ref mm. uh, that yeah. I think is one of the main differences with him. But even in his post-match interview, he came across as so much more mature, thoughtful, uh, and he actually looked like he was part of the Socceroos. He didn't look like he was there in the guest role on a special one-off basis. He talked like a proper Socceroo. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've seen him at times when he was in the A-League where I felt he was unplayable, and I've seen it at times where I wouldn't have played him. You yeah. know, like, it, it really sort of, and that's a problem for a lot of players, but as you say, he seems to have done a, a little bit of growing up. So, that, I mean, that's it for the Socceroos for this stage. I mean, five wins out of six. Um, we go through top of the group. <coughs> Can I just pay tribute again to Archie Thompson? Though? I thought when he came on, Troyes came off, he really did change the game. Yeah. Uh, and what the game changed, whether or not it was because of Archie, I'm not sure, but you could feel the momentum completely changed I suppose from that he, point on. He brings energy, doesn't he? He'd bring energy to the changing room and on the pitch. And the number of times I've watched him, I remember watching him when he was training with the Oli Roos in 2008, just before Beijing, he would make countless runs hmm. up the wing into position and countless and so often the pass the final pass wasn't there for him or the cross was terrible or whatever yeah he always smiled he just turned around kept his head high and went back into position again to do all over again that's what he brings to the team it's just a, a constant commitment uh, and a great attitude sure okay well let's have a look at um week 21 in the a-league now um Starting with with the Jets versus Adelaide, the Jets um, continue doing well at home. Adelaide season completely over now. Well, they're not going to be the wooden spoon team if Gold Coast United doesn't continue. Yeah, yeah, which which would be a little first ever twice winners of the wooden spoon. I think after maybe New Zealand night. <laughs> Stats you don't want to hear about yeah. the club include. Um, yeah, I mean and one nil proud proud uh, teams in Asian Champions League this year. Yeah. I mean, look, it looks so good for Adelaide at the start of the season, the type of players they recruited, and a coach had more time to bed down. Um, what did you make of this Jets victory? Um, this is where I have to make a confession. I was away at a weekend, uh, at a wedding this last weekend, and saw only highlights on my mobile phone. What did you make of the highlights of this game <laughs> on your phone? Um, yeah, it was a good victory for the Jets. Good guy, yeah. I mean, the... the the Jets sort of pressed their case with an, another pragmatic home win, and, and you know they have picked up points on the road recently, so they're, they're not you know completely out of making a shake-up in the finals. But as I said, I mean j- just for them to make the finals, I think would would signify yeah, a, a I, very I, solid sort of season. I mean, I think the Gary Van Egmont effect has finally kicked in. You know, it, it took a long time for uh, him to start getting them, the players to play the way he wanted and the squad line up the way he wanted. Uh, it looks like it's really starting to kick in. It's probably too late to really make a decent tilt at things this season. Uh, but with signings like James Brown for next season, you got to think that uh, it's, they're going to be the team to watch next season, without a doubt. And they're the type of club that, that might sort of go and pick up a few more of those Gold Coast youngsters as well and give them a chance. Absolutely, so. yeah. Uh, you know, Gary Van Egmond's got a good record of uh, bringing on youngsters, I think. Uh, yeah. And uh, he can... He, can create a team. He can meld a team and, and take them places. Sure. Um, next Adelaide, so- however, all sorts of trouble. You know, uh, you got to think that Kuzmina is not going to be in charge next season, and if he is, you got to ask why. Yeah, I mean, th- th- there's been a few comments from the club that makes it sound like 
he might not be completely out of the reckoning for the job though. But you've you got to ask why. He, yeah. You know, he, he's won, he won a couple of games when he first came in, and that's because Mina Effect, you know, history will record that he's always done that with clubs. But he's not shown anything. Mm. He's got a good squad. I think, you know, universally, yeah. you've got to agree that the Adelaide squad, on paper, is definitely uh, contender quality. Oh, yeah. Uh, to be the wooden spoon. Uh, after all this time, even after the damage that Rini did to them, uh, is you know I just don't think Kazmina's the man for the job. No. Um, moving on, Sydney hosted Wellington. Um, Sydney missed a, a quite incredible amount of chances. I mean, the, the, for large spells of the game, Sydney played very well. They just couldn't stick it in the back of the net. It was a Paul Weifel header on 13 minutes. I don't think he scores too many headers to see Paul Weifel. Nope, nope. Um, but yeah, I mean, a, a huge, huge result for Wellington. I mean, Sydney were billing this game as, you know, the, their sort of real opportunity to push up and try and get a home final uh, if they could. It's now Wellington that are looking far more secure up in third and, and Sydney who are out of the finals in, in seventh now. Um, what do we say about Sydney's finishing? I mean, you, it's positive that, it, you know, it wasn't the worst display you're ever going to see, but... You know, you have to be taking your chances if you're going to well make the finals and make any difference if you do make the finals. I think that's been the story of the season, though. You know, they they have created chances all season long and just been unable to to finish the lion's share of them. Yeah. Uh, the Bruno's been on target enough to keep them in contention of a you know a final slot. Hmm. But frankly, the 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 striking uh, quality of uh, Sydney just left so much to be desired. I mean, there's no depth there. Mark Bridges. Dangerous to the crowd when he's on he's on the ball. <laughs> uh, the shark Juno uh, McLean is uh, just unseen. Mm. He's the invisible man. Uh, Bruno is a very good target man. Uh, I think he's a much better uh, striker than you know he's possibly being given credit for. But he's he's not very mobile. He's no. a solid unit who will get to the ball, get his head on the ball. Or knock the ball down and occasionally get his foot to it, but he's not going to chase the ball no. in any way, shape, or form, and he's not going to run down and run at the goal. I mean, I, I do think Bruno gets, you know, as you point out, a bit more of a hard time than perhaps he deserves. And if they still had Brosk, Sydney, oh. then it wouldn't be a bad front at all, would Absolutely. it? Absolutely. No, they'd be on fire unless Brosk's development had gone backwards. Though. Yeah. Which is, they've got a nasty habit of doing to players at Sydney. Sure. Um, next game, we have a chat about Gold Coast Melbourne. I mean, a. I mean, every game's a must-win for Melbourne at the moment, especially when they're playing bottom of the table. But Gold Coast again, b- before the the troubles that we will speak about in um, Section Two, getting themselves a one-all draw against Victory. Um, I mean, an- another reasonable result for Gold Coast considering the, the scenario. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a tremendous result for them under the circumstances. Uh, you know, they've got they had a good team uh, and. Miron is a fantastic character for the A League and is offers great tactical insight and strategic insight into the game. Yeah. But I'm not necessarily convinced he is necessarily the best manager. Uh, and Mike Mulvey seems to be getting slightly more out of them. And he knows these lads slightly better as well, doesn't he, Mike? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it's been interesting to watch them post Miron and in the midst of this crisis. Uh, I think they've got some fabulous players there who, you know, have got a good future ahead of them. Um uh, if they can be snapped up. It's a shame that many of them, though, aren't going to be snapped up because there just simply won't be enough teams. Uh, yeah, and, and in terms of victory season, that is 
hanging by a thread, especially with, with wins for for Jets and then Hart, who we'll talk about in a minute. I mean, they're now in, in eighth place on on 26 points and finals position with Jets on 31 points with what four rounds to yeah. go. And, and still not playing well. It's not like no, <laughs> they're on a roller coaster no, run. And they're still out of form. You, even if they make the finals, you know, you know they're not going to go anywhere with it. No. You know, it's going to be one game and they'll be out. And does that count in any way, shape, or form as any kind of success for the season? No, exactly. Yeah. I mean, when, the, when the money they've spent on their wages this season, the players, the quality of players they've got, it's a huge, almighty failure. I mean, yeah, to, to finish fifth or sixth and scrape into the finals probably would have been a failure based on the oh, on their agreement. Yeah. So to not even make it and, and to to only find themselves above an Adelaide and Gold Coast team yeah. who have struggled, um, yeah. you know, for different reasons, but have both really struggled is is an incredible shock. Um, one thing that probably everyone in the A League should be worried about is arguably the best Australian domestic team ever, champions hitting some rather scary form <laughs> heading into the finals. Perth, who um, were good at home even when they were rubbish, uh, going and down. have been in an amazing run of form recently. Yeah, going down to Brisbane Raw, going down 3-0 to Brisbane Raw. Um, really, really concerning signs. I mean, particularly concerning for the Mariners, who we'll talk about next. But what do you think about Brisbane's you know, form? I mean, is it... <laughs> Is it looking as scary as it did at this point last season when they were on that run? I think it's actually possibly even more scary, to be honest, because they bounced back from a particularly poor run of form. Mm. uh, And to come up with this at the right time of the season, with four games left, they've got the the gold medal slot uh, in sight. Yeah. Uh, They're very focused, and you know I wouldn't be surprised to see them doing the double again. Yeah, I mean... in football going into this sort of stage of the season especially in a finals format you'd rather be on the on-form team chasing than the Mariners who are just living off that lead that they had for a while I mean yeah. I think was the reason I was fairly convinced that the Mariners were going to top the table was because they had their their game in hand was against Gold Coast yeah. um, which they got a point and, and fairness they only just got a point as well they threw one down at one point during that game um, you know to go on to the last game of the round Melbourne Hart won Central Coast nil first of all I think I I'd probably have to admit that I was wrong on Hart. I'd, I'd watched them in previous weeks and, and really thought they were going to struggle, and I didn't actually... I couldn't see them making the finals because they just seemed in such hideous form. But, um, you know, they, they beat the Gold Coast 1-0, they beat the Mariners 1-0 now, um, and look like they're going to do enough to make the finals. Hart, I mean, let, let's start with Hart. Would you, what sort of impact do you think they're going to have in the finals? I think Hart's biggest problem this season has been consistency. Mm. Uh, basically, you know, they've again they've got a good team. Uh, they've got a young team. Uh, they didn't get quite as badly upset by the the Oli Roos campaign as I thought they might have done. Mm. Um, but with those stars coming back, if they can find any form of consistency at all, then you know I think they'll give the finals a good shake. Yeah. Um, but Realistically, it's a two-horse race for the finals. Uh, yeah. the, on- the only question is who's going to be number one at the end of uh, the home and away season. Well, after 23 games, uh, looking at the top two here, I mean the Mariners on 44 and just three points back is Brisbane. Quite importantly, too, is that um, Brisbane's goal difference is better, five goals better. So if it did end up coming down to, to being all square, then it... I mean, it's goal difference, isn't it? It's not a head-to-head situation. Yeah, no, it's goal difference, it first, goal I think. Difference, yeah, so 
Um, they're in a really strong position. I, I haven't got all the fixes in front of me, but I had a little look the other day, and I would suggest that Brisbane's are, are slightly easier than the Mariners as well. Um, I think, you know, it, the thing with the A-League, though, is you can't really judge the quality of the opponent uh, on a game-by-game basis, to be honest. It's such a level league. If Melbourne Heart can beat Central Coast Mariners, uh, you know, anybody can beat... Anybody on any day. Well, yeah, I mean, Gold Coast uh, drew with the Mariners, and that was top V bottom, wasn't it? So. Yeah, uh, I think you really have to just go on the run of form, and at the moment, Rora rampaging. I mean, um, I suppose ultimately, it's relatively important who tops, but it will be those two playing off each other yeah. to host the final. Yeah. So you know, the, the, the Mariners, even if they do hold on to top spot, are not going to be able to avoid the fact that they're going to have to play Brisbane, who have the measure of them yeah. twice yeah. to try and host the final. And this is where the final series lets itself down because we're going to have potentially what one, two, three, at least three games of the same two teams. Yeah, because it doesn't really feel like a winner's going to come from anywhere else, does no, it? No. Um, so yeah, but you know, it could solve the FFA's problem as to where to host the final. One. Yeah, I wonder how often that—that's the thinking. Will they just go? I just hope that this scenario happens, so I don't have to <laughs> come up with a contingency plan. <laughs> yes. So look, just a quick rundown of the ladder. I say the Mariners are top on, on 44 points. Brisbane second on 41. Wellington still flying high in third, 36 points. Perth on 34. Hart on 33. And down to sort of, you know, hanging into the final position of the, of the Jets on 31. Um, Sydney just outside by a point on, on 30. And then Victory, I mean, you, it's almost close to writing them off, really, because they're on 26 points. Um, you know, they find themselves a, a full five points behind the Jets in and worse form than the Jets, four games remaining. Um, it, it would be a massive effort for Victory to make it from there. And then Adelaide and Gold Coast down the bottom. Um, that's all we've got for this section. Um, join us in section two where we'll be talking about some news, chiefly the huge news on the Gold Coast. This month's 442 magazine is your ultimate guide to the world's biggest stars in our annual countdown of the 100 best players in the world. Elsewhere, the A-League's founding fathers, Alex Wilkinson, Archie Thompson, Clint Bolton, Terry McFlynn and Matt Thompson, tell us how the A-League's evolved since its inception. Plus, we catch up with Socceroo Mile Yedinak and uncover why Japan will soon win a World Cup. 442 magazine at Newsagents Now. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to part two of the 442 Insider podcast. So the, the massive news, um, not you know, some of the news that's gone just through football, the news has gone to nationwide is FFA shutting down Gold Coast or you know stripping Clive Palmer of his um, of his license, um, but plan to keep running the club till the end of the season. Um, I suppose there's a, there's a few talking points here. Um, let's start with Kevin. You know, was it the right decision by the FFA, and and, and do you have a problem with the timing of the decision? Or? No, I, don't, I think it is the right decision. It's probably come what eight months too late. Yeah, um, people are saying it's too early before the end of the season, but the fact yeah, is, it's too late. Isn't it's too it? late. It should have been done at the end of last season or before this season started. Uh, it was inevitable. I think that that's the the thing that. Uh, Everybody's sort of ignoring. Since last year, I've been saying, and I've constantly been told I was wrong by uh, people who should have known, uh, that uh, they were going to close at the end of this season. Um, if 
as even the FFA admitted uh, Palmer was telling the FFA he wanted to close the club at the end of the season. Well, that's what Buckley was saying in the press. So that didn't get January. as much coverage, did it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, one, people were lying to us in that case because we were asking that question yeah. back then. But two, they should have hammered out an agreement. Mm. It should have been done with much more maturity and sensitivity. Yeah. Uh, and diplomacy than this. This is just an ugly debacle, which uh, is really unbecoming. And it's, you know, it harks back to the worst days of the NSL. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's the main thing that not not just people within football or, or supporters of football are thinking, but those on the outside are going, it looks like, you know, yeah, it's just the, the same is happening as, as what was happening same, before. Same, same. Nothing changes, just the bloody name. And, and the whole point of the A-League was this new, fresh perception that we had, and, and we were leaving a lot of that behind, but we seemed to sort of you know, be dragging up the, the, the sort of same old problems, really. I mean, some of Frank Lowy's comments, he, he was sort of talking as in you know, himself and Clive kind of got on for a while and spent a little bit of time together. And it's oh, just it a, was clearly a billionaire's boys club that mm. uh, you know, got the club established. But again, this is where the FFA went wrong. We chased the money, not the community. Yeah. Uh, we shouldn't have gone with the Gold Coast simply on the basis that they, hey, Clive Bam is there, he's got billions, he's willing to throw some of it at a football club. Mm. That's not the way to expand a, an A-League, uh, a yeah. league. Uh, we had much better options, even if you ignore Western Sydney because they couldn't be expanded into it that particular time uh, with Sydney's licence. Uh, we still could have gone to Canberra. The crowds would have just been exactly the same size. Mm. There might not have been as much money behind the bid, but there would have been a huge community effort that really would have appreciated the club being there, uh, and it would have been a much more sensible football decision. Gold Coast is a viable football area. It's just not the first place we should have gone into as an expansion club. No. And I saw one of the things that you were tweeting is, you know, remember when we were talking about 12 clubs? And exactly. that was very, I mean, was that, would that have been a next year or the year after? Yeah. We should, we should be up to 12 clubs. Because yeah. Fury should have still been in it. And then, in fact, it should have been this season, I think. It was one season of Melbourne Heart and then West Sydney was yeah, supposed was to start it, yeah. this season. And then, yeah, we were up to 12 clubs and, yeah. you know, we're, we're now looking at nine next season unless we can sort of cobble together. A, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, that's the next point, I suppose, is are we going to kind of cobble together a, a Western Sydney in time? I mean, Hart, think about how much leading time Hart had, you know, and how yeah. much they got sorted out ahead of time. To be honest, though, I think there's a lot of work already been done by a lot of different parties mm. uh, to put together a West Sydney bid. What it needs is a billionaire with a lifelong love of football, long footballist uh, connection, based in Sydney, somebody but like maybe Frank Lloyd. Yeah. Just to it dip could, into his pocket, could fund a club, uh, get it up and running for the first year. You've got enough talent out there to put a side together uh, from uh, Gold Coast United's leftovers. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the other people that are coming off contract, it might not be the best club for the first year. Mm. Uh, it might not challenge for the finals, but it will survive. Uh, there is the potential there. The. Stadium agreements can easily be sorted very, very quickly. ANZ will have them for nothing. It's a hell of a venue. I'd hate to go watch football there. But, you know, they would pull all the stops out to accommodate a team. I know that. Parramatta Stadium, I'm sure, would be able to come up with a deal fairly quickly as well. Yeah. Uh, feeling, you know, that that's the easiest, quickest option. Feeling that, you know, Lucas Neal had an option ready to go. 
uh, a while back. Well, I, I, I thought that was going to happen. I, I was relatively convinced that Lucas was... I can't, you know, I can't understand why that didn't go ahead. No. You know, if you've got people like of that calibre involved, uh, with that background, you would want to bite the hand off, you would think. Yeah, yeah, quite. I mean, you touched on there in terms of, you know, the spread of talent. That's one thing I haven't got a concern about is when new teams come in, that the players from, you know, the guys that were at the Fury, the guys at the Gold Coast, that there's enough talent to spread across the teams to have a good league. It's Absolutely. not like you're going to pull someone yeah. in and go, you know, we're struggling for local players to make this good enough. There's yeah. plenty of good young players that could, yeah. you know, do a job. So, you know, if Western Sydney did happen, then if they sort of leaned on, you know, perhaps a little bit of the Gold Coast and, and perhaps plenty of the other players that are around Sydney as well, um, then they're about to make a reasonable shake of it. I mean, Clive Palmer's not going to go quietly. Shock. No. Um, and it, it might sort of drag on. So if, if you like billionaires slinging mud at each other, I think mainly Palmer will be making certain comments. Um, that he, he sort of wants to open up things in terms of FFA and, and go for the highest court possible and see money and no object on this point. So. The thing that I am pleased about, though, with this tobacco is that Lowy is staring down Palmer. Yes. Palmer yeah. went public and said, look, kick me out and I will sue you. I will win because I've won 68 times before. Uh, however, Peter Perchtoll may take issue with that, <laughs> with yeah. that statistic. I think uh, he, Clive Palmer, lost that one. Uh, but Louis has stood up to him, and uh, Louis is the only man who can match him pound for pound in court. Yeah, well, yeah, quite, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he's he's taken that threat and decided to uh, call his bluff. Yeah. If it does end up in court, it's going to be a lot of money wasted by both parties, and I hope they can come to a more respectable, suitable solu- solution. Exactly. Kev, it's not all bad news, though. Isn't it? No. What? Fifeinio. Ian Fife. I can barely contain my excitement. Why clear it straight when you can slice it out of play? Ian <laughs> Fife is back, um, has returned to Adelaide United, and in fairness, even though 4-4-2 over the years has historically picked on him 5-4 for one reason or another, um, I think if you're an Adelaide fan, you'd probably be... I've never seen Adelaide fans so happy about the signing, <laughs> even beyond Sergio van Dijk coming. <laughs> Yeah. Uniform, delight, joy, celebrations uh, in South Australia over this signing, which, yeah. quite frankly, amazes me and delights me. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's good to have him back. I particularly enjoyed the sultry picture of him that we had on the, yes. uh, on the website as well. I mean, he lit, the man has it all. He's smouldering. Yeah, he is. Smoking. So, look, it's, it's good to have him back. Jack, I'll be pleased. They've always got on. Oh, five yeah. And, yeah. Five best, and Jack. Best buddies. Yeah. Um, we won't go into the context about that last comment, but yeah, it's good, good for Adelaide fans, I suppose. The new Socceroos top, though. Um, I know you're a big fan. I love it. And, and I cannot express how much <laughs> I love it. The readers' comments were very positive. A lot of comments as well. It's it's new oh, jerseys. People go mad for, don't they? Adore them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's. A, I'd, I'd agree with you. I like it. It's a you know good solid design. I suppose we can sort of assume that the home jersey is going to be. Similar, possibly switched over colours. I, I don't, don't want know. Mikey to get upset with us for speculating, but you would think maybe a sort of green and gold version. Yeah. The thing I loved about this was when I first actually saw a picture of it, I thought it was a flat yellow. 
Mm. It was just yellow yeah. uh, stripe. But it's this lovely, shiny, chromey gold colour, and it's just beautiful. It's perfect, yeah. It's and just adorable. I love it, love it, love it. And they, <laughs> they, they sort of debuted the kit last night as well. Um, and, yeah, I mean... Everything about it seems seems pretty positive, so we'll we'll look out for the for the home kit, also. Um, That's probably going to be what about April May. Yeah, I don't know actually. I have no idea on the. I mean, I, th- I think they seem to keep the release dates fairly. Cool. I wonder if you've seen any of the other Nike kits as well. I was going to say the France the, kits, France away kit was pretty neat last night too. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that, and the Dutch away kit, yum, love that too. Okay, well, I, I had a request from a, a Timothy Murphy on on Twitter. Who'd like us to sort of have a bit of a, a deeper look at the, the Aussies overseas to see how a few of the guys are going? And, and that's probably a, a fair point, Timothy. We've not done that in a while, so so let's do that. Um, where to start? Where to start? Well, I'm going to start with Brett Holman actually, because um, he said we're going very well at the top. They're certainly not out of it. They're just, just two points behind PSV on on the table there. Um, had a three-all draw. Brett Holman setting up two goals. He sounds like he's had a belting season. Also sounds like he's almost certainly going to move on very, very soon. Um, you know, Word on the street is that there's been Premier League offers as well. So that would be interesting. How high up can Brett go, do you think? You know, to be honest, I think he's got the potential. He could play in any of the teams in the EPL. Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah it seems like a huge call but actually when you think about his style and his uh, ability and his results recently wouldn't surprise me he wouldn't look out of place in pretty much any of the teams yeah I think the, the clubs themselves would have to get over the idea of uh, signing an Australian as a, a top name uh, player uh, but I reckon he would fit in quite nicely he's just had a fantastic season fantastic year fantastic couple of years actually now yeah completely um Germany is, is currently hosting sort of three of our um, up and coming striking hopefuls. Then I mean they're not exactly getting as much game time as they like. Let's start with Rukovica. Um, first of all, Hertha Berlin are, are really struggling. They're they're winless in twelve games. Um, he got thirty eight minutes at the weekend though, but he couldn't help them losing three nil. Um, similar situation with Lecky. He was on the bench um, for Borussia. <laughs> Mon, so can can you go for the Borussia? Munching Gladbach. Ah, perfect. Yeah, I was about to, about to say it, and then I fell over myself. <laughs> um, look, he didn't make it off the bench there, which is a bit of a concern. Um, and and Robbie Cruz also hasn't been getting as much game time as he, he'd like over there. I mean, well, what do you make about what what these guys should be doing? I don't know. It's a difficult one. It's the same for uh, the youngsters in uh, a Holland as well. Mm. Uh, the trio Utrecht. Utrecht. Um, it's. I think it harks back to what Holger was saying. You know, uh, the young players are only as good as other people think they are, not as good as they think they are. Yeah. Uh, but if you're not getting game time, nobody's going to know how good you are. No, uh, exactly. So they have to look. It, they have to have words with their management basically and see how they figure in the the long term plans. Uh, if they're not going to be getting regular game time, they got to look for another club. Uh, and trying to avoid the Segundo Divisione as uh, that. <laughs> David Carney found himself trapped in. Yeah. Uh, you, if, me- you mentioned those three Aussies as well, though, obviously um, Zulo, Orr and Sorota. Um, 
who who seemed at first to be getting a bit of game to Sorota in particular, was yeah. the, the, the you know probably the least known out of of those three, and he he was playing um, on a fairly regular basis. They're now not playing at all. No, nope, none of them out, out there, and, uh, which is a real concern. You'd you'd think at least one of them, I suppose, Orr was the one that had the most hype when he went over there at that time. Um, so for none of them to to be getting any game time is is a genuine worry. I think the, the the tricky choice for them now though is what do they do? Uh do they look for, you know, a spot in Belgium? Uh I don't even know what their uh the visa status is, whether they could get a gig in England and if they could, would they look at a championship side? I know there'd be a lot of people would criticise them if they did that move. Yeah. Or do they, they come back to the A League? Uh where they're guaranteed game time but they won't make as much money. No. No, quite. Um, they, they got relatively long contracts out there as well. If I yeah, was it five years? Something like five years. Um, yeah. So, with that in mind, you'd think that they're probably going to stay there and try and slog it out for a little bit longer. You would think also that if a track gave them a five-year contract, it was because they saw them as development potential yeah. uh, and good sell-on, sell-on rights, sell-on money. So, yeah, uh, perhaps we've been a little bit restless so in that case. It's you possibly know. They've, they're taking a longer view than uh, we're prepared to give them. Yes. Um, well, look, it could be worse. Aaron Moyes on the bench in the Scottish Premier League with St. Mir- St. Mirren. St. Mirren playing good football, though. Uh, yeah, unfortunately not Mirren, with Moyes. Not the hoof ball that, that you would normally associate with SPL. No. Um, but, I mean, let's hope he gets a little bit more game time. So look, they're, they're He was just coming back from Oli Ruger too, though. Oh, right, OK. Fair enough. OK, well, that's, um, that's a look at a couple of the guys... In section three, we're going to have a chat with uh, a Ben Maxwell. Um, he's the writer of a Asian football blog called On the Gas, um, and he's going to chat to us a little bit about the Asian Champions League as um, a few Aussie teams, three Aussie teams this year, prepared to do battle. So join us back for that. Aside from a better night's sleep for both you and your partner, there are so many other benefits to treating your snoring. For example, did you know that snoring makes you produce excess cortisol, which slows your metabolism? So if you snore for a prolonged period, you may find you gain weight easily. Snoring is also a sign your body is getting a little less oxygen, and reduced oxygen in blood can contribute to arterial plaque buildup. These are just a couple of reasons why it's a good idea to try a mandibular splint from Instantly Stop Snoring. 1-800-991-259. Back to 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to part three of the 442 Insider podcast. Um, For this section, we're going to be joined by Ben Maxwell from On The Gas blog, mainly about FC Tokyo, but he knows plenty about Asian football as well. Ben, how are you doing? Very well, thanks, Trev, and uh, hello also to Kevin. How are you going, guys? Good, thanks, guys. We're very good. Well, we're, we're hoping that you could sort of help us out with a little bit of Asian Champions League information ahead of um, things sort of kicking off through the groups. Um, sure. I, I mean, the first thing I wanted to ask about, I mean, in terms of Asian Champions League in, in Australia, I think interest is, is growing, and interest was certainly very big when Adelaide made it through to the final, but I don't think it's perhaps had the traction here that you might hope. I mean, well, what's it like across the rest of Asia? Is it different in specific countries, how interested they are in it? Well, I mean, the, the Korean teams, uh, South Korean teams always seem to do very well in it, don't they? So you could uh, maybe read into that that they take it a bit more seriously uh, than the Japanese clubs. Uh, I think the Japanese clubs uh, definitely view it as a, as a secondary competition, mm-hmm. uh, even though they're able to, you know, expand their brand into... Uh, 
other regional countries, they still uh, focus mainly on uh, the J-League, as I guess you'd expect. Um, but we've got, uh, actually, my favourite team, uh, FC Tokyo, coming into the ACL for the first time this season, and uh, there's a lot of interest amongst the Tokyo fans, especially about how we're going to get on. Yeah. I mean, what's the perception of Australian teams? I mean, when they come up against A-League sides, is it a feeling that that's going to be a tough game or, you know, because they're relatively new, that's going to be an easy game? Well, I mean, tough, yeah, in terms of physical physical play from the uh, opponent, yeah, I think they do view it that way. Um, although that's probably a bit naive, I think, of the Japanese clubs. I mean, as you guys know, a lot of the A-League outfits play uh, really attractive football and it's not, uh, it's not just Route 1. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, especially, well, Gumbo Osaka definitely view uh, Melbourne Victory as a bit of a, a soft touch. I know that much. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, the other teams the other teams in the J-League, uh, I guess, yeah, the perception is that they'll, they'll always be in for a physical game when they play Australian teams. Yeah, sure. FC Tokyo might be in for a bit of a shock in that case when they come up against uh, Brisbane Roar then. Well, that's right, exactly. I've, I've actually... Uh, yeah, send a few barbs to uh, people on Twitter about uh, how physical uh, the, the Raw are going to be, and I've uh, had a couple of shots back saying, you know, well, we play pretty attractive uh, football, so yeah, you, you will be in for a shot. So uh, I'm sure we'll be prepared for uh, whatever the Raw can uh, throw at us on the Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean... Go, going through sort of the, the Aussie presences, I mean, the, there's three teams this season, um, you know, Adelaide, Brisbane and the Mariners who are, who are in the group stages. I mean, let's start with Adelaide who are in Group E and it looks like they're in a particularly nasty Group E based on previous tournaments. I mean, but Gambro, Osaka, Pohang Steelers, I mean, uh, how much chance have Adelaide got of getting out of that group? Uh, well, yeah, that's a, that's a good, uh, good question, Trevor. They'll definitely need to, uh, to win all the home games. Because uh, yeah, I mean, Pohang are the uh, the most successful team in the the, uh, the recent history of the ACL, aren't they? So um, they're always uh, very very up for for their Asian games. And uh, yeah, Gumbo Osaka are a past winner, of course, in 2008. So uh, you would think if uh, if Adelaide could hold serve at home and you know perhaps nick a couple of away draws, they might be able to make it through. But it does look very tough on paper, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've heard that Adelaide has signed a player called Ian Fife in the last week. Um, okay. He's a pretty big deal over here, so I think that'll be the main concern for the Asian sides. And, um, right, sure. On, on Group F, I mean, you talk about FC Tokyo. I mean, they have got Brisbane in. I think out of any team that Australia have ever kind of put forward for the Asian Champions League, as it were, we're most hopeful that Brisbane are going to really, really make an impact. Um, sure. Is that what you'd expect? I mean, would they be one of the, the more favoured sides to get out of Group F? Yeah, look, I, I would expect that it's, it would be between Brisbane and FC Tokyo fighting it out for second place in the group, to be honest. Um, Ulsan, uh, they're the South Korean team in the group, and they're, uh, they're very strong, and I know they've strengthened quite a bit in the, uh, the off-season as well. They've, uh, they've taken uh, Gumbo Osaka's uh, South Korean striker uh, back home. And uh, they've also signed a, a Japanese player from uh, the Spanish league, uh, Ianaga. Mm-hmm. So they seem to they seem to uh, really strengthened. And yeah, I would expect that second place in the group will probably come down to the results between in the head-to-head games between Brisbane and FC Tokyo. Okay. Yeah. I mean. Uh... You know, I'm most hopeful that Brisbane can make an impact. But I mean, the, the Mariners are also there as well in Group G. I mean, the Mariners are currently top of the A League, and 
were second last season and aren't far off the Brisbane Roar in terms of results, perhaps not in the, the type of football they play. Um, have you got any hope that perhaps the Mariners might push for a, um, you know, a place in the knockout stages too? Yeah, sure. I think. Uh, well, to be honest, yeah, I think all three of the Australian teams have got have got a good chance. And um, well, yeah, on recent form, uh, you'd have to say that the Mariners uh, would look, uh, you know, a strong chance. They'll definitely be in the top three in their group. And um, yeah, I think it's all about uh, how you do away from home in the ACL. You know, because uh, there are some pretty long trips. And if uh, if teams can uh, can go away from home and nick a draw, or perhaps even nick an away win then, you know, that really helps their prospects for going through. That's going to be the, the hardest part for the Australian teams, though, isn't it? Because uh, Brisbane Roar and the Mariners, at least anyway, will probably have the finals campaign going on at the same time as many of the Asian Champions League's games. It could be difficult for them to because, focus yeah. on both. Yeah, that's right, Kevin. I mean, uh, we're in a completely different um, time frame over here. We're just about to start uh, the new season. So uh, where the teams will be... Well, teams will definitely be fresh, but whether they'll be uh, firing at all cylinders and having, uh, you know, their preferred uh, formation, their preferred uh, personnel out on the pitch at the start of the season, uh, we're not sure of yet. But, yeah, we're definitely coming at things from uh, some different angle over here. So who would you say is uh, the Mariners' biggest danger in their group of uh, Nagoya Grampus, Songnam and uh, Tanjin? Well, I guess, you know, Nagoya, it a lot depends on how seriously Nagoya take it. Um, obviously, they're uh, jailers champions from two seasons ago and uh, runners-up last year. So, you know, they, they've got the, uh, the the obvious talent. They can they can go as far as they like, I think, in Asia. But uh, you do see on occasion, you know, Josh Kennedy or some of the other uh, more important players in their uh, in their eleven rested in uh, the midweek games. So, uh, yeah, a lot of it will just depend on how uh, uh, Mr. Stojkovic handles Nagoya. But uh, yeah, I, I would. Uh, fancy uh, Central Coast chances for, for getting the runner-ups, at least in that group, I'd say. Yeah, uh, can I just ask about the final? I, I know, I think it might have been the the last couple of years that the final had been moved to a, a neutral venue, which I think is, is certainly the best way. I mean, not just because that's what the Champions League does, I just think that that's the fairest way of doing it. I think I'm right in saying that they're, they're switching back again now and the final's going to be hosted by one of the finalists decided by a draw. I mean, that seems a slightly strange system to me what would you say about that I would completely agree with you yeah Trevor I mean I don't know if they're going to toss a coin or if they're going to play uh, rock paper scissors yeah or <laughs> what they're, they're going to do but yeah one of the teams will uh, who is competing in the final will host it and I mean you can kind of see where they're coming from in that you know you guarantee a crowd at least the, the home fans of the uh, the home team will show up whereas in Tokyo uh, we've had crowds of about twenty-five to 26,000 in a, in a 50,000 capacity stadium in the last two seasons. So, yeah, um, I don't know, I'm a little bit on the fence on it, but yeah, I would have preferred it to be uh, at a neutral venue, I, I suppose, yeah. Or, or I think at least pick who gets to host the final based on prior performances, perhaps how they qualify, you know, or how they made it through to the final, but, you know, it seems to be suggesting they're going to decide it by a draw, blind luck, about who gets to host the Asian Champions League final. Um, yeah, sl- right, yeah, slightly interesting decision, but... Who's your favourite to, to take out this tournament? Uh, you know, who, who would, if you could, um, you know, name one side that you, you can see winning this, who would you say? Well, I mean, it's not good news for Brisbane or uh, FC Tokyo, but I'd have to say that at this point of the season, we can't have strength, and I'd probably have to say Ultron from uh, South Korea. Mm. As I said, I'd expect them to win the group, and then 
I guess it's just the luck of the draw who you, who you uh, play along the way. But, uh, yeah, South Korean clubs with their with their uh, very successful history in this competition, you know, it's hard to bet against them. Um, as an outsider, I don't know. Again, as, as I said before, if Nagoya takes things seriously, they certainly have uh, the personnel to, to go as far as they want to. And of the Australian teams, I guess the Mariners have got the, the slightly easier first round draw, so perhaps um, I would back them to go the furthest of the Australian teams. Excellent. Ben, thank you so much for uh, joining us. That was Ben Maxwell from um, On The Gas blog. Uh, he's FC Tokyo blog. Make sure you check that out. Um, that's all we've got for Section 3. Join us in Section 4 where we will preview this week's A-League games. This month's 442 magazine is your ultimate guide to the world's biggest stars in our annual countdown of the 100 best players in the world. Elsewhere, the A-League's founding fathers, Alex Wilkinson, Archie Thompson, Clint Bolton, Terry McFlynn and Matt Thompson, tell us how the A-League's evolved since its inception. Plus, we catch up with Socceroo Mile Yedinak and uncover why Japan will soon win a World Cup. 442 magazine at Newsagents Now. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to section four of the 442 Insider podcast where we're going to look ahead at the coming weekend's A-League action in week 22. Um, Starting with Adelaide um, hosting Perth Glory. You know, we, we talked about how Adelaide are limping out of this season. They can't make the finals now. Perth Glory coming off the back of a 3-0 crushing um, at home to Brisbane. How do you see this one going? This, uh, you would hope that on paper it would be a good win for Perth Glory, an mm. important win for them. Um, they've got a point to prove after that 3-0 drubbing. Uh, they hopefully will have Liam Miller and Shane Smeltz back. In I mean, that's huge, those two. I mean, head and shoulders, they're best players, really, aren't they? You take that into consideration for the last week's result, and it starts to make a bit more sense, at least, for them. Yeah. Uh, those are, are two key, key players for the team. Sure. Uh, with If they're back and sufficiently fit, uh, I reckon they should walk over Adelaide, given the way Adelaide have been playing recently. Yeah, and last week also confirmed the end of Adelaide's season, if it wasn't confirmed before that, so they're going to have to sort of get themselves up for this one against a Perth team that that should have goals in it, as you say, if those guys come back. Who did you you tip for player of the season this season, just while I'm thinking of this? Oh, God, I can't remember. It wasn't wasn't goal-goal Bramati. <laughs> he was robbed that season, though. Wasn't he, he really was. He, he really, really was. was. Well, no, I'm just saying that, and this person certainly won't win Player of the Season. But um, you know, I tipped Liam Miller to come in and, and do well. I've he, got a- he, I mean, he, oh, I'm not saying he's going to win it, but he has done okay. I think he's he's done well. I think probably I expected slightly more from him well, to be yeah, honest. Same, yeah. But a large part of that was Ian Ferguson playing him out of position for the early stages of the the. Uh, the, the tournament, the competition, um, but he did that to everybody in the Perth Glory team, and if he hadn't, they would be in a much better position. Yeah, but maybe he's all played them in the wrong position. Now he's playing them in the right position. It feels even easier. You know, when you play with a heavy football and you play with a light one, it's easier. Mm. Maybe he's the greatest football manager ever, and he's found a new, <laughs> he's found a new way to win the, win the league. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Moneyball two with Ian <laughs> Ferguson. <laughs> um, next game, Brisbane Raw versus Melbourne Heart. I mean, Melbourne Heart have won, you know, a couple of games recently to sort of turn around a dreadful bit of form 
which come off the back of a really good bit of form mm-hmm. doing the whole up and down A League thing that we've seen this season. Yeah. Um, but they go away to a, a Brisbane team that we know is good, but we know is good and is playing probably as good as they've ever played heading into the finals. Massive ask um, to, to, to go to Suncorp and get anything. Buresh has been awesome in recent weeks as well. I mean, he's been awesome, you know all season but especially in the last couple of weeks he's really sort of shown he's worth running away with a golden boot um, can hog anything out of a trip to Suncorp I think they really must uh, to be honest to, to try and cement that finals place for them uh, yeah you know they're, they're taking it to the wire otherwise uh, but realistically I think Roar will be able to see that the first spot is in reach if they win this game uh, and they're going to be providing they're not struck down by late injuries between now and Saturday. Uh, now in the weekend, I think they're going to be in a role, an unstoppable role. I mean, I would be very surprised if they're not comfortably in front by half-time. Yeah. It feels like I'm going to go high every week, but I mean, it, I think in, in this case it's justified because they're going away to, to Brisbane. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to... I'd even name the score. I think I'm going to go 3-0 raw. Yeah, I think I'd probably agree with that one. 2-0 at least anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um, next game, the other the other, the other, Melbourne team, Victory hosting the Jets, which won't be an easy game for Victory at all. Um, like every game that they've had in recent weeks, it's a must-win. I mean, it's an abs- absolute must-win, um, you know, th- this one, because... It's it's effectively the team that they've got the best chance of knocking out of the finals because you know the the Jets have currently got that last that last place um, on on thirty one points and, and victory on on twenty six. So if they if victory can win that, they can sort of get them you know side of themselves up a little bit closer to the Jets, especially considering Sydney. We'll talk about next are going away to the Mariners, which would be a tough game. So this is the, the most pivotal pivotal weekend for, for victory. But can they beat a a, a decent jet side at home. I don't think so, to be honest. No. Um, you know, I, I see a, a draw coming from this one. To be uh, fair, I think uh, they'll do enough to stop the Jets uh, from winning, but I don't think they've got the the uh, the quality at the moment to actually claim the three points for themselves. You also got to remember Harry Cool was just put in uh, a very very good shift with the Socceroos last night. He's only going to be, he's going to be turning around very quickly. Archie Thompson put in, came in the second half and did a lot of running. Uh, so two key players, tired legs. Uh, I think they'll struggle to find a win. They could get a draw, uh, and that's based on you know the Melbourne draw nickname that they've earned this season. Eleven draws this season from their twenty-three games, and that's what I'm going for again. I, I think it will be. I think it'll be enough. That's quite an astonishing record, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Effectively, it's almost twice the nearest team yeah. in terms of draws. Effectively, each game you've got a 50-50 chance of drawing. That's astonishing. Um, especially astonishing with the type of players that they've got there. I mean, it, it would, in terms of the interest for who's going to make the finals, be more interesting if Victory could win that, and you yeah. felt that you know Hernandez come back into the team and doing more on scoring, and if Archie could find his form, and Harry certainly playing the best football he's played for victory. You know, it's a, a, a damning indictment on Melbourne victory because everyone was talking about the attacking quality they've got in the squad at the beginning of the season. Yeah. They've scored the third least goals. Yeah. And it, it's not so much a reflection of the attacking stock, but the, the service, I think, that they've been getting, the midfield, uh, the back half of the midfield, just, it doesn't exist. No. They're trying to loop it over that section of the field and uh, let the, the boys at the front 
run with it, but it's not been working for them. No, is it? I mean, like 29 goals from, from 23 games, I mean, just over a goal a game. Yeah. Um, you know, with we, quality. We, yeah, like with players that should be tipping in a goal every other game yeah. with how good they are. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's something's gone very, very wrong there. Um, but the, the next game will be, you know, victory can win that. The next game will be equally important because they, they will be only one point behind Sydney and have got to go away to the Mariners. Um, the Mariners who are sort of going off the boil a little bit, but you'd still feel that they'd fancy beating Sydney at home. Um, they'll know the Brisbane result by then already. So um, potentially, you know, if Brisbane beat the heart, they'll go top on goal difference. Um, and Mariners will go into that Sydney game knowing they need something to reclaim first, will they get something? It's a tight one because Central Coast Mariners are just so unpredictable at the moment. Mm. You know, um, they're relying on youngsters like Tom Rogic, who you know been um, superb, but has yeah. been absolutely brilliant, and is as we speak, I think, being awarded the uh, Young Player of the Year nomination for uh, the, February. The Young Mariner, the Young Mariner of the Month award. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Surely the better youngs- there are other youngsters as well that deserve it from other teams. Ben Halloran. Yeah, so that's, that a that, that's a travesty. That's a shame. Still not letting that go. <laughs> um, but having said that, Tom Rogic has definitely deserved it this month. He's, yeah, he's been he's, superb. He really has. Really uh, and I like to think he's a bit of a four-four-two fine thing as we. Well, yeah, this talk overnight. <laughs> so, I mean, only if you haven't read four-four-two exactly. in the last two years yeah. is he yeah. an overnight success. Nike, the chance, the academy. Yeah. We, we were there. Yeah. We had photographs of him, interviews with him years ago. Um, Look, I, I think the Mariners will get something out of that to, to, to go back on time. I actually think I'm tipping a, a draw still, uh, okay. bizarrely enough. And I, th- I think a draw there will then uh, tee up quite a dramatic uh, game next week when uh, Sydney and Melbourne meet in yeah. Sydney. Yeah. Uh, and it wouldn't be the game that the FFA... It wouldn't be <laughs> what the FFA thought they would be playing for no, when no. they drew up the schedule, which would possibly have been a shot at the title. Instead, it'll be a shot in the finals. Yeah, which, you know, I love watching a bit of desperate football from people just trying to cling on. So look, that that might be as built on a game as if they would um, yep. see who can win the title. Um, the final game of the round, Wellington versus Gold Coast, hopefully. Um, I mean, first thing, will, will there be a Gold Coast team? And considering FFA are controlling them, you know, hopefully they'll be paying them. I think actually, um, just... Before we started this, I saw a tweet saying that uh, Palmer has agreed to honour all his players' contracts. Okay. Uh, what that actually means, though, I still haven't found out whether that yeah. means they will be playing this week. Well, they could be working in the mines. <laughs> there's, there's no guarantee they'll play for Gold Coast. Or driving him around, yeah. chauffeuring him. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you, you would still... Gold Coast, have, before this trouble of... of you know, play quite well. And I think they've got a, a batch of relatively fearless young players. who have got the whole career in front of them. I don't think they're going to be sort of, you know. And I think, and also, it's a big audition for who they can get picked up by yeah, next season. Yeah, possibly. exactly. So, I mean, if there is a Gold Coast team that that goes to Wellington, um, you know, depending if they go to Wellington, you know, this weekend or it's postponed or what have you, um, I think they'll they'll give them a go. When I just feel really really sorry for these young guys because they've pl- they have genuinely to a man played really well yeah. this this year. Uh, they've not had the results that they deserve. They don't deserve to be uh, wooden spoon. They don't deserve to have the club dissolved around them. No, uh, it's just such a crying shame for them. And I hope you know that they get paid out in full 
the contracts paid out in full. I hope they get a chance to play out the the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, to showcase, and I hope they all get picked up by decent clubs next season. Yeah, I mean, I suppose there's a few other people that you know that you know aren't young players that have got to find themselves. I mean, you think yeah. that someone will pick up Michael Thwaite. Oh, I think um, he's almost certainly going to end up back at victory. I'd be very surprised if he didn't. Yeah, because, I mean, it, it, it's often a problem with... Um, I mean, we've done that feature on North Queensland Fury players. Um, you know, yeah. the players ended up being estate agents in Adelaide and, you know, stuff like If you're of a certain age and a certain, you know, ability... Paul Bush ended up playing for our broth and probably did best out of them, just about. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so, that, I mean... A lot of those Gold Coast players, I mean, particularly the exciting youngsters, are going to find new clubs. But there'll be some people that that'll be the end of their professional career. Yeah, you know, this was the big chance. This, this was it, and, and there there won't be anything yeah. to happen after this. Um, and, and that's a really sobering part of the job, isn't it? Really, because it, it's not it's not one of those jobs where you know you're a journal and you can just go and write about something else. Yeah, you know, <laughs> if you've only played professional football, only want to play professional football. And there's only nine clubs in the entirety of the country where you can do it under a salary cap with restricted squads. Yep. It's not easy. No. Um, but, I mean, Wellington will, will sort of fancy their chance of, of re, you know, really sort of securing a, a third spot there. I'd be surprised if Phoenix didn't take the three points from the, this one. Exactly. Uh, they've just been doing very well recently. I, we went and saw them at training when they were in Sydney last week. Uh, and great spirit amongst them and a really good training setup as well. Ricky Herbert's got some interesting ideas. He actually lays out cones in the positions, close-knit uh, on the ground uh-huh. where people are supposed to be and gets them to stand face-to-face with each other on these positions so they know exactly where the opposition is going to be, where their, play- their fellow playmakers are going to be. Right. And it's just it's a really interesting thing. I've never seen it done before. Uh, and, you know, the Chris Kuniecker was doing the co- striking coaching uh, they're all just getting stuck in. Good, good atmosphere. Uh, good bunch of lads. I, I can see them really having a good shot. Bit of siege mentality that are kind of the Mariners of exactly. the years, yeah, isn't it? That very you much can so. sort of punch above your way. I mean, speaking of uh, of coaching techniques, I was reading an interview with um, Sam Baldock the other day, the, the West Ham striker, and he he spent some time under Martin Allen. I don't know if you remember Martin Allen. I mean, he was known as Mad Doc. He was mad. And apparently he's no less a mad coach. Um, I think I assume this must have been at the MK Dons, and it was just before an FA Cup match. And um, he called Bulldog and the rest of the players over to the, sort of the side of the pitch, and there was um, a big row of thorn bushes. And he, the coach, you know, Mine Allen, the coach, said, "I want to show you what we have to go through to win this FA Cup game." And dived into the thorn bush, <laughs> walked, managed to walk through the thorn bush, and he goes, "Right, I want you all to do the same." <laughs> So this <laughs> squad of professional it's footballers just... jumping through these thorn bushes, uh, and look, I'd, I'm not sure if that's um, part of Hamburger's national curriculum or the type of thing any other country would be advocating. But um, I'm not sure if they won the FA Cup game either. But look, it could be what's missing at Adelaide. <laughs> I'd say a few of them deserve to be thrown in a thorn bush. <laughs> um, X and Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Very welcome. Um, And that's all we've got for this week's 442 Insider podcast. Um, Enjoy this weekend's games and we'll see you next week. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.